Hello, everyone, and welcome to broadcast number 56 of Indie Radio. Indie Radio is an indie game development talk show, which is here to bring you interviews with both large and lesser-known developers, recap the latest news, debate about topics in indie gaming, and to give you some tips and tricks for your journey into game development. Today is February 28th, 2015, and I'll be your host, Brett Hudson, broadcasting live from the Midwest, United States. My name's Connor Hart. I am the lead designer uh, of at Overreact and uh, creative director. Um, I'm Alan Webster, um, lead programmer and designer at Overreact. And I'm Gabriel Gregory, composer and other stuff guy. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so uh, we've had Overreact on the show a couple times before, um, not in a long time, probably two or three years. Um, yeah, it's been a while, man. Yeah. We, uh, we went on like hiatus. We were just like, nah, we're not, we're not talking to anybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just, I don't know, we worked on a game. I think that's what happened. Yeah, only on part of the game. Sweet. And we picked up Gabriel along the way, because he's new. So, Is he? Today, yeah, that's pretty, uh, there's, wow. there's the, uh, where, what you guys been doing in the news. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, um, so if anybody wants to uh, chat with Overreact or uh, just blurt out random things, uh, you can join our IRC channel. It is on the afternet.org network. Um, so if you have an IRC client, you can do that. Or if you're listening to it live on the website, you can just scroll to the bottom of the page and there's a uh, embedded uh, web chat there. You can ask uh, Connor questions, Alan questions, Gabe questions... Um, the the fifth person that's not actually here that you're imagining in your head questions whatever you want um, so jump in there if you want and yeah we'll get some conversation going so uh, with news there's a bit of stuff going on right now there is PAX East that I believe is going on right now uh, GDC is happening yep. next week and uh, Train Jam is halfway over right now uh, so there's lots of conventions and fun things going on. If anybody hasn't heard of Train Jam, uh, you can look it up on Google. I think their website's trainjam.com, but it might be .org.net, who knows. Um, and that's that's run by Adriel Wallach. And it's a train that goes from Chicago to um, San Francisco. That's where GDC is, right? Or... I, I think so. Yep, yeah. San Francisco. So, uh, yeah, they're right here on uh, train, trainjam.com. Um, it's a train that goes from Chicago to San Fran. 52-hour game jam. Yeah, no no internet. So, like, uh, you download everything before you get on that train, and then you just form little teams and do whatever you want. So do people, like, bring their mics onto the train? Like, yeah, we got to record some Foley effects. Oh yeah, yeah. People. Man, that's that's so crazy, man. That, that 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 train conductor must be like, this is the weirdest thing. Ever. <laughs> Probably. This is their second year doing it. Um, they they run out an entire um section of the train. Uh, they might have rented out the entire oh, train this year. That's the nerd but... section right there. You want to you want to skip around that? Maybe climb through the top patch and just skip <laughs> that car altogether. Yeah, bunch of crazy game <laughs> game developers. So yeah, everybody brings a laptop, some recording instrument. Uh, last year, they, they had a lot of video footage, and there were people that brought like experimental controllers that either they made or that they have. Uh, I think somebody brought an Oculus on there, and everybody just made things with different stuff, and there was this crazy wide variety of 
uh, creations that came out of it. And I, I can't wait to see what happens this year. Yeah, man, I, I've just heard about this, like, which is kind of the funny part, because I'm like, what's Train Jam? Right, <laughs> like, 10 minutes before we start this show. <laughs> so uh, I want to do it. I want to I want to I want to get enough money to do it first off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and then you're right there in San Fran, so go to GDC and then you just got to figure out how how you're getting back. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. So uh you got uh what else is going? You got GDC, right? In a week? Mhm, yeah. It starts Monday and yeah, so many people are doing doing that. Uh Man, I, I really wish we could have oh. went to GDC. Like I, I keep hearing these people like like Indicate East, GDC, PAX East. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. Why am I releasing a game right now? <laughs> yeah, so. it's it's definitely a good time to release it though, because everybody's checking the news. Um, like everybody's like, oh, I need information, information. It's yeah, as long as you can bust it through and get yourself get yourself on the news, and mm-hmm. it's a great time. Yeah, otherwise you don't want to just get like your yeah. parade rained on by other developers mm-hmm. not that you know we have not again anything against other developers we just want uh market share you know yeah and since you guys are doing it friday that's like the last day everything's dying down everybody's like trying to function oh my goodness so little sleep trying to indie function oh, my <laughs> all right uh, the show's over everybody everybody off now <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, so, also in news, uh, there's this website coming out called Flex Indie. Um, I think you guys are publishing with them. Uh, they... Yeah, we just got our project approved on Flex Indie. We don't have the files up there, but we uh, convinced the people at Flex Indie that we were going to totally put the game up earlier. We just already had it scheduled for the 5th. Um, because uh, if you put the game up before the 1st, you become a founding member. Mm-hmm. So, we're considered a founding member, even though our game's going to go up a few days later. Um so that's pretty awesome. They're they're a really, really cool marketplace. Like their terms and conditions is like one sentence. <laughs> it's like it's like, do you agree that this is you for real and that you're gonna sell this game? And I'm like, yes. I mean, yeah, that's a great. Yeah, it's and me. I'm not pretending to be someone else. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not pretending. I'm, 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 this is me. But other than that. Yeah, um, really cool site. They got they got an approval process, which is a great thing, right? If they didn't have an approval process, then I think it would turn into like Game Jolt. Nothing against Game Jolt, except for the fact that there's like 800. Uh, yeah, if Freddy's clones. If you don't get featured on Game Jolt, you're not going to be found anywhere because it's it's just like the App Store, or the Google Play Store. Like you got to get to the top if you want to succeed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so if anybody wants to check it out and. Uh, flexindie.com uh, F-L-E-X Indie If you don't know how to spell Indie, I don't know why you're listening to this. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, great great project. I had no idea where they came from. I don't know who's even running it. It was just like, poof, we're here. I know the guys are in uh, North Carolina, I believe. It's up right there in North Carolina. Um, and I don't know, they seem like they're super legit, but like they, I mean, they got 600 followers, so that's mm-hmm. not a ton. Um, but they're all, they're obviously following like mm-hmm. 400 more than they are being followed. But yeah. I, I like to be a part of it early because if it does end up getting big, like Game Drill is starting to, then it'd be uh, awesome to say that I was one of the founding members. Yeah. We were one of the founding members, I should say. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Yeah, they they followed me, and that's how I found out about it. They just followed everybody and was like, hey, hopefully. 
Some of them will like follow got back. Indy in his name. Follow him. Flex Indy. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, did they follow your personal hmm. account, or did they follow the, uh... They, they follow Brett. Brett Hudson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. They were looking for them indie game devs. Yeah, they followed us, but that was after we reached out we have... to them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's cool, because they respond right back to us, like, mm -hmm. we were... Like, we were oh, yeah, they're super fast. So, they're you know, devoted we're, we're to get at that this. Point, or they're at that point where they can talk with their, their people, like we are with our like, uh, customers and stuff. We're eventually going to get to a point where it's going to be difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... But, uh, yeah, is there anything else that we don't know about? Because I think it's a good time for us to know about it as game developers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the game market is crashing in uh, T-minus... I, I think it was 37 days? No. Um, I'm, I'm thinking there's not too much going on. I, if anybody has anything that we've missed that's kind of substantial, uh, jump in our IRC and talk about that IRC plug right here uh, but yeah. no there's there's not too much going on in the indie world right now because it's all conventions like everybody's working on that so anything yeah. big that's going to be announced is going to be announced at PAX or announced at GDC yeah so you're going to hear a bunch of it afterwards yeah which we're means worried, so. which means next broadcast we're going to be talking about news forever and then also the magazine will have it because we're finally officially 100% relaunching that. So. That's cool. That's mm -hmm. awesome. All right. So, um, let's so get chatting. What, what are you guys releasing? What is this push game? So push. <laughs> uh, so this is our uh, the game we made incognito from the rest of the the world until like maybe what the last uh, 6 months or 4 months, Alan? Yeah, I mean we just didn't really like well not even then because like even though we were releasing some stuff on twitter about making the game like we really yeah, it depends didn't depends on how far you mean by incognito because i mean i when i started working on it a year ago we started i started posting like just like screenshots of tech stuff because i didn't really i wasn't trying to impress anyone i was just like oh here's something i'm working on i guess i'll like put it out there yeah and then um and then when it like went on and on. I was like, okay, all the screenshots basically look the same now, because all I'm doing is adding really cool, like, puzzles and stuff, but they're all going to look the same until you're playing them, so it doesn't matter, and I just stopped. Yeah. And we didn't really, like, even once Connor and the rest of the team all started doing art and music and writing and all the things that have gone into the game since the whole team jumped on board with the project, was, we didn't really start pushing it out there until, like, the last month or so. Like, in yeah. February, we realized we were going to be done, which is a whole long story about why it took us until February. But in February, we realized we were going to be done soon, and so we started realizing we needed to get the get the marketing ball rolling a little, so we've been trying to push it out there since then. Yeah. It was sort of um, unexpected. Like, we, we were expecting the, the game to be out in, what, like, December, Alan? Yeah, our original thought was December, and then, you know, it was... It was even, like, maybe early, no end of November, early December, and it just kept, you know, doing what it does, pushing back until it got to where it is. Yeah, I, I ended up getting a full-time job, which had to be the worst idea ever, um, and that really, like, took my time away from the game, and me and Alan are really, like, the most active on the project. Um, we picked up Gabriel, and uh, he he made all the music um, in, like, a matter of a month or two, <laughs> so he was on point. Uh, we were waiting on the book to get done and all. Have, have you uh, checked out any of the Let's Plays or, or anything, or the trailer or anything, Brett? No, I've been super busy the last couple of days, but 
Like I've I've been wanting to see what people have thought, but I um, haven't gotten a chance. We have a uh, a YouTube channel which has our um, our entire like thing of let's plays. So so far we uh, we got a hold of some people with uh, in the last two weeks. We did some research. We got a hold of like all the let's players we could think of, the big ones and the tiny ones. Um, the big ones obviously are at like PAX and uh, GDC. PAX. So. We just got all the little guys. They ended up getting a hold of us, um, at, well, you know, responding back to us, and they wanted to check the game out. So now we have, like, nine Let's Plays, and we're going to be getting, like, two live streams today. Um, so it's uh, getting pretty cool. Yeah, for um, sure. I think I actually have the... If, you, yeah, if, you just, if you're on YouTube, you can search for Push Over React, or uh, I guess Connor might be supplying the... Here. I uh, sent a link to the chat, Brett, so if you want to throw that in the IRC, you can do that. Um, yeah, for sure. That's, uh, that link is our playlist, so if anyone wants to check out what the game looks like, uh, it comes out March 5th, but right now we have a demo running for Let's Players uh, until then. Yeah, and I'll also put in the uh, the show description, so, uh, yeah. so cool, people cool. looking at it on the site can get to it, too. Yeah, cool. and... Um, yeah, so I think what we were saying before we got into that was... We were asking if you knew about the book because one of the oh, things yeah. we ended up doing for the book was uh, in the process of trying to figure out what to do. Like we had this puzzle game, but it was just programmer art. I didn't. I made the puzzles, and that was all the idea really went. Like I had several ideas for game stories and like bigger like themes and stuff, but none of them were really great. And so one of the ideas kind of put forward when we were first working on the idea of like theme was. That we would do like a handbook, like you did have, like when you used to get games and you'd open up the physical game and get the, the handbook that went with it. You have the little manual? Mm hmm. Yeah. And so what we did was we tried to, we wanted to make something that was kind of like a manual. That's where the idea started. But um, when we, it, we also wanted it to fuse with the idea that we'd been working on that maybe it was a kid, like it was around like a toys and stuff like this. So it ended up being like a kid's book style manual and we integrated it into the game to be like instructions and story um so we like to do that though that meant we had to have a manual the writer illustrator like we worked with him to write everything and then he had to illustrate and it turned out to be a hundred pages exactly that he illustrated for this book which is what we've been waiting on for so long to get the game i mean now that like months done, we waited on that to get done uh -huh. Um, we had a lot of uh, it was a really bumpy process uh, trying to get that to work because when he first started working on the book, um, it was it was an odd like trying to figure out what the book really entailed because at first it was more like is it leaning more towards the manual side where we're trying to teach the players how to play the game or is it leaning more towards the story side? Um, and in the beginning, it was more of a an instruction manual and and sort of like a, a silly whimsical instruction manual. And that really wasn't what me and Alan were envisioning. Um, and we didn't know that until we read it and, and like looked at it. We were like, no, this isn't right. Like, We need more story in this and less instruction. And uh, what we'll do is just like kind of hint towards some instructions in the game. So like we hint towards like what doors do and how all they need is one good shock to open them. And uh, But we don't really tell you, like, push the, the, uh, the battery to the wire to open up the door. Like, we don't you know, give you the instructions. So mm -hmm. that took a while to even write. And then by then, by the, when that was done, it was like, what, uh, October, we had like something pretty good. But then all the illustrations weren't matching up with the text and it was just a mess. So when we released the IGF, we had to actually cut the book out of the game. And I think that really 
uh, affected uh, our like chances of being nominated. Um, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of other factors. The IGF is kind of a an, an interesting. It's a tough. It's a tough yeah, it's a tough. Uh, uh, one second. Mm-hmm. But and- um, but yeah, like so we released IGF and uh, we were hoping we would get nominated, uh, especially because like it was the first game where we had like a seriously good soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. And like picking up Gabriel, he's like like such a good asset to the game that we were like, dude, like this game's gonna blow people out of the water. Um, and of course, in IGF, it, it didn't seem like it got any attention. Uh, in fact, we weren't even emailed to let uh, like to let us know that the, the nominees were already picked. Uh, we had to find wow. out for ourselves. They they picked it a week before they said they would because GDC must have got pushed back. Mm-hmm. And um and then they were like, oh yeah, you know things got pushed back and all. It was like you couldn't send like a blast email out telling everybody <laughs> that like the nominees were picked. Like, yeah, we it could've... was. I mean, the, the, it was it was just. I mean, uh, we understand. It's like it's a hard situation because we don't. We're not internally. You never know what's going on. But our number one thing that kind of sort of uh, irked us with IGF a little bit was it was just like no communication with us at all about mm-hmm. what was going on. Like for. I forget what the interview was now, but for the money we paid, we expected, like, oh, this will be well curated. They'll, like, email us once in a while, mm-hmm. update us on what's going on. And, like, normally I'm not one to want someone to email me a lot, but in that case, <laughs> I was sort of expecting it. And so the fact that we just had no idea what was going on ever was kind of weird. Yeah. We were in the dark in the process. Yeah. But, the IGF is, um, like, their, their judges and yeah. people change every year, so... From, from what I understand, so, like, there's different people on the committee every year, so I don't think that it's, like, always something that they're thinking about on the front of their mind, so there's always a chance that, like, they expect somebody else to do it, or, you know, I, I don't know how, how, uh, I, I'm not trying to riff on the IGF, of course, but, like, I don't know how concisive of a whole that they are uh, working together, especially with uh, members that come in and go out i mean they're a huge event so obviously they got to have some sort of structure but you know Mm -hmm. i i'm curious and if there is any uh like uh any other people that have uh, had similar issues to you because i do know that there is uh some people that are iffy about igf uh judges especially when you send like 90 dollars to them to enter igf (laughs) and then like you don't even get an email to know that it's over yeah. Like, you're just like, dude, I sent, I sent you $90, like, we all sent you $90, so if there's been 600 and something developers who sent you $90, you just made a good deal of money just on entries. Um, now, I'm not saying that they're not... Are the judges volunteers? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Are they? Uh, from, from my understanding, they, I think they're appointed, like, because um, it, it does change, uh... Like, I, I know Edmund McMillan was on the IGF judges staff a couple years ago. So basically what um, I understand, I I did look into it a couple years back, but my, my memory with this is fuzzy. So, like, whoever makes really good games and, you know, in that time period, they are selected as nominees to be judges. And then whoever ends up saying, hey, yeah, sure, they get to be the judges. So, like, they'll, they'll email four people and hope that three of them reply and then or whatever. Yeah, I gotcha. <clears throat> yeah um i don't know it was it was an interesting process that's that's the best way i'll put it um it was a night it was a, a loss maybe 90 dollars. but they said after gdc that we're, we're going to receive some feedback on why the game uh, yeah so if we get, get that like, feedback if we get that feedback then oh wow yeah 
They're giving I didn't think that they would do that, because there's like... How many, how many games were submitted this year? Was it 900, or was it 1,400? 600-something. 600-something, okay. Yeah, well, I think, I think yeah, I think what happens is when a judge plays it, they have the option to leave a little feedback then, so it's not a matter... I don't... Like, in my mind, I don't know how many games a judge has to play, but I don't think it's a matter of, like, individually, let's talk about what we gotta do on this game, but more, like, individual judges who happen to want to leave feedback okay. can... That's the impression I get from what they've said in emails and stuff. Okay. Yeah, but but anyway, we're uh, we are entering Indicade uh, Festival for 2015, which the submissions just opened uh, like what three days ago. Uh, so we're going to be submitting push to that, and uh, maybe Indicade will will have a little bit more uh, luck with, especially because the book's done. The whole mm-hmm. book adds a whole dimension of the game that was completely missing. In- yeah, yeah. yeah, I could definitely. I went to Indicate last year. It was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, and I, I could definitely see yours, your, your game making it there and being a part. It, it fits in very well with kind of the theme that they go with. Yeah, yeah. They're all about creative, uh, games that are different, so to say. So like the whole, the whole book thing, like. No, no other game really has the feel that your game has, so... Yeah, I mean, the book is... To just give a little more detail, but one thing I really love about the book is that we... It kind of inspired us in one way to think about game art in a completely different way, because when we learned making games, it was in Game Maker, and so you do pixel art in there, and then I'm sure pretty soon Connor was making art, or maybe right away, I don't know if he was making art digitally before that, but you basically always just think, okay, gotta make game art, open up my, like, maybe I sketch it first. I'm speaking for artists, right? Uh, so I don't actually know, but I'm imagining either you sketch it first or you just you open your digital Photoshop or whatever and get it done. And with the book, they were hand-done and photographed and put into the game that way. Like, they were put in as... JPEGs that were rescaled in Photoshop after being photos of actual hand-drawn images, and then there are like photos in the background of the book as well that are real <laughs> yeah. photos that are. It's a really interesting way to do game art that made us think about like what else can we do that's totally not like just open your Photoshop and make art, but like do art some other way and get it in your game. Yeah, do yeah, something was, that nobody's done. It was a crazy process uh, making that book, like. <laughs> At first, it started out like with a manual, like like let me just uh, do some artwork on some these pieces of copy paper, and then like I had to like take them and like pin them against my wall with thumbtacks, and then like set up a tripod and like take pictures of these, and then to put them into Photoshop and like crop them out. Um, I was using like the clone stamper tool to fix certain parts of them and like make them fit the uh, the border of the book. But it ended up being like the only part of the book that's actually like made on the computer. Um, is the uh, the little purple edge around the book? Like everything else is a photo. So, it's so anything of, uh, in the game, anything in the game that's the book is like we can't. We're just like ninety five percent photographs. <laughs> it's really really weird the way that worked out. But yeah, you, you, like what you said, the game has like a different feel. It has um, first off the puzzles in the game. The more and more I play it myself, I realize like, dude, these are really like different from a lot of puzzle games mm-hmm. um so i like the fact that like we we took a uh like a like some advice from uh jonathan blow when you had him on here a few years back yeah um and like i think like alan especially did and like he thought about like what what is a puzzle truly like it's not you know just a matter of choices so yeah it was, yeah, it was i mean i've been uh, the game was definitely a mixture between 
Um, like I've been like trying to understand Jonathan Blow's approach to level design because when I played Braid, I definitely felt like in my mind like the puzzles were just incredible because each puzzle was this individual like packet of information if you spent enough time to understand what it was about. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something you could ever really do in another way. Like once you played Braid, you were like, oh man, if I could rewind time, I could do this, and you just knew that. And I wanted to see how, like, if I could recreate that. And to some extent, I think that we were sort of, I was sort of successful in, like, the level design and that, and in push, well, basically the question isn't, can I rewind time? It's, what if, what if, like, time didn't flow continuously, but, like, I had as much time as I wanted to take a turn and do something? Almost like a chess game, right, where nothing moves until I, like, the other player doesn't get to keep moving if I'm not moving. So what if all of, like, the whole world was like this? And what if, and specifically, like, watching, because we've had the people that did Let's Plays, mm-hmm. and when some of them, like, realize that they can do really wacky things, like, they describe them in all these different ways. Like, some of them say, oh, I can swap spots with the, with the, um, with the uh, Beatles. Or some of them say, oh, I can move through the Beatles. Or, like, there's all these different ways of understanding it. But as they play more and more, they really start to go, I'm not really doing any of those things. It's just a matter of, in this kind of logic... I'm just not colliding with the beetle. That's all there is to it. It's it's uh, cool to see people start to understand a super alien type of world mm-hmm. and how it really works. Yeah, it's it's almost as if the the people who are playing it are finding out your game design as it came to your mind, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 It's um what I liked about like some of the lights players that were um checking out the game like. There's um, Hyrule King, right? This guy, the, or him and his friend Sam, they made um, two videos so far. And in the second video, they finally started understanding the logic thing that Alan's <laughs> talking about. But, like, they, they were still, like, there's still, like, a point where you actually don't know what's going on. You could play, like, the first three worlds and still not know that the game is, like, in turn-based in a way. So, like, they were playing, and they realized that, like, when they pushed a push block across this ice that every time they moved, the block would move. And they still question, like, is that turn-based? Like, what's going on? And then they eventually realized, like, yeah, it is. It's like every time I move, the blocks move. And it's so cool because you could play uh, two worlds in the game and not actually realize that, like, this is exactly what's going on. Um, it's so, like, odd. Like, the logic in the game makes... It, it's just so, like... Yeah, it's, it's great. I, I, I love the fact that, like, it's it's a matter of there's logic in the game, and it's not like, oh, this logic is weird, I can't follow it. Like, the game doesn't, isn't illogical. It's just different logic, but the logic is true for the whole game. Once you learn the logic early on, the logic is always right. And once people realize that and they start using it, they're like, oh, I can apply the logic. It's almost like you watch them learn a logical, like, system. Like, we're mm-hmm. used to the logical system of continuous time and movement and, like, where those are our fundamental like things that we do and they're basically as they play they're learning a new world and pretty soon you can see that their brain can handle a completely different world and it's awesome yeah and they learn it over like the course of a world or two like they just totally understand the game and like they understand all the little quirks and stuff the way it works yeah, a lot of Let's Players really had, like, a similar thought process as they went along the game, and I think, like, not, like, in, like, a bad way, but, like, in the kind of way that, that like, shows you that the work and, like, the thoughts that we wanted to invoke into the game were, like, well, like, put into the players. Like, they all realized what exactly we wanted them to realize at, like, the time that mm-hmm. they did. Like, the thoughts, like, some of the things we were trying to incorporate into it were put into their minds as they played. 
I'm not sure if I wanted that right. So, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it, it, it sounded good. <laughs> like, um, it's not even just with the logic of the game. It's like with all the uh, all the parts of the game. Yeah. Like the um, the music was seriously like uh, a total like everything was unified. The music, the graphics, the the mechanics, the book, uh, all of it kind of came together. So. Like, there was points where people were like, you know, this kind of feels like a kid playing with his blocks. Yeah, they and all like, realized that at one point. that's crazy because we didn't really say that. We weren't like, hey, this is a kid playing with his blocks. Um, it was just like, though, we, we totally, like, they got our point without even us having to, like, hint at it at mm-hmm. all. And that, it feels like, good. It feels good knowing that you can, like, you can have a point and you don't have to, like, say with your words, hey, so we like that. We, we really liked our childhood. And instead of saying that, we can make this game and people play it and we get to see that they like their childhood too, in a way, or that they like childish things. And it's just like much more like deep connection, I guess, to the same idea than mm-hmm. the words, I liked my childhood. Yeah, some of them even realized that it was from a child's perspective before they even got to the level selection menu. They were just reading the book and they're like, am I a child playing with my blocks? And then like they realized, oh, I am. <laughs> yeah, like, like they got like, oh. Uh, like the one guy in the most recent video, I think it was today, he mentioned, um, was this uh, Aerodynam Hacks or something like that? I think it was him. Or it was um, six, six of Hearts or something. One of them, um, sorry uh, if, if they're listening and uh, I got your videos mixed up, but you mentioned uh, that like the fence. Like He's like, oh, I must be a child like uh, traveling outside, like wondering what's outside my uh, my own yard, my like the garden that I'm in and all. And it was just like, yeah, like, that's exactly what we wanted to convey. And like the artwork and the wording, all of it, it did a great job with that. I think that's like the thing that I'm super proud of with this game is that um, we, didn't, we didn't miss the mark, but we also made sure that everybody playing the game understood what we were trying to convey. Because like even in Braid, um, John Blow mentioned that like, people didn't really get the underlying meaning of, like, what his game was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that, that was, like, you know, that, that kind of sucks. Like, when you make a game, you want people to understand the deep point behind your game. And it's sort of missed by a lot of people. Um, that sucks. Now, not that the game was bad, and I totally got the idea behind the game personally, but, you know, that's a, that's a really big step. If you can do that, um, then, like, that's the reason you made the game, right? It's, yeah, I think, I think for one thing, I think for one thing, Braid is really hard because the idea it's going for is so like it's not like our idea can almost be put in words in a lot of different ways but braid is even harder to do that for so it's a it's a harder idea to do the same thing for two ours is i mean to put it simply it's just like you know being an imaginative kid like the game does a lot better job of saying it than just saying the words imaginative kid which is kind of the point but it is a lot easier to capture that than than braid's thing Mm mm-hmm yeah. Um, so yeah, things uh things are being conveyed really well, and I'm I'm really proud of that. I mean, the big thing that a lot of people are saying, and this is the uh, one of the uh, most awesome points, is like they love the music in this game, and like just picking Gabriel up was like I said before was like one of the biggest uh, come ups, if you will, that we had was like, dude, we need somebody who can make really good music. What's even funnier though, is we made this game called Brownberry and it was like Gabriel's first time making music. So this is his second game ever making digital music and it's brilliant. Like it's super awesome. Yeah. And at first, when I first started on push, I I was kind of pessimistic about the music. I was like, Oh, well, nobody's going to really like this. I'm just some guy making music on his computer. I'm just, just some guy. And I'm like, 
as I like, I noticed that like as, during development, I started to show people some of the music without telling them that I had actually made it, and they were like, "Oh yeah, this is really catchy. Where'd you find this?" I'm like, "Oh, I made that." They're like, "Oh, that's awesome." And I'm like, <laughs> it, it kind of like really like boosted my morale, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm feeling more confident about this." So as the project went along, I got a lot more confident, and I'm getting better every day as I make music, and it's just really awesome opportunity, and I'm really glad I took it. And I'm just like, the music mm-hmm. was like, I don't know, it's just, it was really. I don't know. I just. I guess I just captured the, the feel of the game right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's like one of my favorite parts of the game is like when you're reading the book and you hear the music behind it, and you're you're straight up in the scene that you want to be in. Like if the music wasn't there, the book wouldn't be as a big impact as it was. So it's weird. It's almost like the book wouldn't be as good if the game wasn't with the book. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really. Oh, oh yeah. Like, yeah. Every. It's. Good. Right, you, you can keep going. I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to oh, say too much. I was just going to say, I, it's something I've been thinking more and more about is each individual piece, like we look at the book and we'll be like, oh, this is so cool, like the world map. We don't want to like, for a while, one of the questions was, do we put stuff on the world map? Like, do we put icons to show where levels are and stuff? Or do we just hope that they figure out how to navigate it? And in the end, what I think my conclusion is, learning from that, like questioning all that stuff, is each of these pieces by themselves are good, but... The whole point, like, what we're, we, when you're setting out to make something, you have to ask yourself, what is the unit? Like, what is the level of which thing is the thing I'm trying to maximize on? When we weren't trying to maximize on the book, it would have been a different book if we were trying to make the best book possible and then shove a game in it. We were trying to make the best game possible. And so once you set your sights that way and then you realize, oh, we're going to lose a little bit of the map, but it's going to make the book game better. And the music and the game, like, what happens once you've done that is, like, the music and the book are both good by themselves, but because they're trying to make a great game, them together, and then there's a game with it too, it all has, like, I don't know how to put it, except, like, in my head, it's, like, bound, bound, bound oh, I can't even think of the word I'm thinking of, but, like, you know, it's, like, what's the simplest way to put it? They're all okay, they're all good, but when they're put together next to each other, the way we sort of have them now, they're worth way more. Like, they couldn't have been any other thing. Like, the music, if it was yeah. some other music, wouldn't it wouldn't be the same game. So it's, the like game a, it's like a it's like a suit of armor, are... right? I would say it's like wear like a knight's armor in a way, which is a weird analogy. But like you know, you have an awesome helmet or like some awesome boots or gauntlets or like a chest plate, and they're all pretty good when you're wearing them by themselves. But once you put it all together, like you're a fully fledged knight, and like you're gonna kick some ass. And so like I feel like that's what we did. We all together made these pieces of armor and put them together on this guy, and that's push and like. That's that's my analogy right now. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. That's a cool, yeah, a really cool analogy. So um, that's like my thing. With <laughs> with push, how long did you guys spend in total? Uh, um, I'll start with this because I'm the one who launched, started the game idea. the The game idea came to me in November of 2013, and I prototyped it for two months. And I liked it, so and it, like it gave me ideas. I was super interested in the concept behind it. So then I like still with the exact same art, which was just not even art. It was me drawing rectangles. Yeah, I but, remember that. <laughs> right, and I went and made the whole game basically with that. All of the levels that I came up with, I think I made them using that. Or actually, I might have added graphics before I made all the levels. But I did do program art, and that took me all the way up until like July or June. And that's when, like, I had done the basic programming and the levels, 
were roughly there. We they shifted a lot because we reordered worlds, did all sorts of things. But the, well, basically, all the levels were there for the most part, um, and that took about until June of 2014, and that's when Connor's half the story kicks in. So go ahead. Yeah. So, so I mean, I I feel like I've told this story so many times, but um, it's always worth telling it on the radio with uh, with people listening. So. Because usually it's just me and Alan sitting here like, dude, here's how we made the game. Um, but <laughs> what happened was um, I was I was gone for quite a while. Um, I was not, like, in contact with Alan. Uh, it was really rare that I would come on and be like, hey, how are things going? But I was just like I had a lot of personal uh, things to take care of. So I came on at one point, and Alan was like, dude, I got this game I'm working on. It's called Push. And, like, I was like, cool. So I just jumped in and started making graphics on, like, Game Maker, like, pixel art. And uh, I made him way too complex for his code. Like, he was like, that's going to be way too hard to implement. So I was like, all right, man, uh, that's no problem. I'll let you do what you're doing, and, like, well, I'll, I'll make graphics later. So then I disappear again, um, and I come back, like, what, so, sometime in June or, I think, June or July? It's July or June. Um, it's been about one of those middle-of-the-year months, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was – it was because I know I was on vacation for a while, and I think it was before I went on vacation, so it must have been June. Yeah, I think it was sometime um, around summertime, because I think I remember – I think you actually picked me up and then rejoined the project. Yeah, because what happened was we came in and we said, I said, dude, I really just want to make a game, right? And he, like, I'm done being an uh, incognito from the rest of the team. I want to just make a game. And I was like, dude, there's a game jam on Game Jolt. Um, it's, uh, what was it called? Uh, GB Jam. Game Boy? GBA Jam. Yeah, yeah Boy, GBA uh, GB GB Jam. Yeah. Three? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was something yeah, like that. It's the only it one that I make a Game Boy game, right? We had to use like the 160 pixel widescreen, and we only had to use four colors. So I was super stoked. Like, dude, let's just do it. So in five days, uh, we joined halfway through it. In five days, we made uh, Brownberry, and I was like, dude, we need uh, a composer. So I picked up Gabriel, who is a was a the brother of a friend of mine. Um, so I knew him just about my my whole life. I knew Gabriel, but I ne- he was always like my friend's younger brother, which is weird because now he's like my composer for my team. Um, so he came on, he made, he made some, uh, sick ass, uh, chip tune music. And then... yeah, it was just like some browser based program too. It was really like, it's, it wasn't really like as professional, but at the time it seemed so like impossibly complex. And I'm just like, how am I going to do this? But I did. And then like, I took all the songs that I had made in the browser based program and just kind of remade them in a more professional program. One that once I learned how to use it and I was like really feeling good about the song and yeah. like, I still listen to them sometimes. Yeah. So man, they're really such catchy. awesome songs, but we got them making Brownberry to get back to push. And we were like, dude, and Alan was like, yeah, I got push, man. It's ready to, it's ready to go into beta. Right. And this is like middle of the summer, which is, this is when I said, Alan, it's, it's not ready to go in the beta. It's it, We're about to take this game to, like, the next level and turn it into, like, a full-on um, like full on game. So, you know, I made the graphics in, like, a few days, and then we, you know, fixed, uh, like, talked about the level design. We talked about the story. Um, and, and by the time October rolled around, we were submitting to IGF, and we basically had a whole in, entirely different game. So it ended up being about a year and a half now since Alan started the project that we worked on the game. Oh. <laughs> and that was, yeah, so that's how long we've been working on the game. And uh, I think we're entering a year and five months now, right, Alan? Yeah, Something March like will be the fifth, like the fifth month of the next year, yeah. So year and a half just about, and we're releasing the game. 
on the fifth. And we're going to keep working on it afterwards because there's a few, like, changes, not changes we want to make to the game itself. Um, uh, well, we have a couple ideas for small changes um, that we've been kicking around, like, maybe later on, either a high scorer system or a, uh, what was it? Um a par system, like, for the level, get to the lowest score possible kind of, like, challenge. Mm-hmm. We're not sure if we might add that or not. But another thing we want to do is uh, we're trying to get it on the Windows Store, which, I mean, we're not, not like we're trying to get in. It's more like we need to do the coding to get it yeah. compatible. Um, because Supporting. Windows, Microsoft, yeah. purchased at one point, and they helped us out a lot um, to get the ball rolling later on in the project. Um, and, all we, and in exchange, we said we would try to put it on the Windows Store because... The Windows Store isn't super popular, especially with games, so they're trying to like, reach out to, to game developers. So that's the place we're putting it on that's kind of weird. It's interesting to see how that goes. And um, then there's Steam after that. Like, if things start going really well, we want to see if we can greenlight it on Steam. So it could be another month or two that we're still working on it on the side after the main release to get it onto a few other platforms. Yeah, and then it's on to our, our next project, hopefully. So... <clears throat> Which, um, I mean, I guess we can touch on it if you want. Uh, give give uh, any of the listeners an idea of what we're going to be making next. Yeah, I think yeah for sure. Um, um, but first, uh, the, the reason why I brought up the length is I read this really great article on uh, Gama Sutra, or Gama Sutra, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, Gama it, Sutra, yeah. Um, I, I, well, at college, everybody, all the professors called it Gama Sutra, and I was like, what are you guys saying? It makes Ew. sense. Gama Sutra, but it's Gama Sutra. Anyway, uh, it's it's this article <laughs> called um, I don't remember what it's called. It's something about making your first game. Uh, it's it's featured on there. You guys can go look it up. Uh, or you guys being the listeners. Uh, so um, the basic concept is that like he gives all these tips on making and finishing your first game. Like the big part is finishing because this guy he had been making games for twenty years and he had never finished a game and he's like why. I always abandon projects. So we gave these tips, and there's this one that sticks out to me so much because it's this weird psychological way of thinking. Basically, what you do is, let's say you have a platformer, right? And there's there's eight worlds, and then there's a final boss. So uh, if we were making uh, this be Mario, you know, eight worlds or whatever, you would make uh, level 1-1, one, one, and then right at the end of the level, you would trigger the final boss. All right? So then, right from the beginning of making the game, you can beat it. You you already have completed your huh. game. Technically, you could ship it at that point. So, from that point on, all you're doing is adding content to the middle. And it, at any point in the game, like, you're getting sick of working on it, you don't actually want to finish it, it's technically in a complete state, you can ship it. And I was wondering That's if, interesting. if uh, you guys... Um, like when what at what point in development could you actually beat your game? Like when when was the win state kind of condition? That's interesting. That's an interesting question. Added. I mean, I guess that it's sort of an arbitrary Yeah, thing with you your said. game. I mean, it like is. you could ship Mario without a final boss, it would just be a less satisfying ending. So the real question is when do you have like the last level end? I would say that you it wouldn't it wouldn't have it didn't have the last level if you want to take it literally. It didn't have mm-hmm. the last level until later on because the problem would have been for that is that we weren't making a boss, but like I was like 
making levels, I didn't know what levels I was going to make later on. It wasn't like I got this game idea, and then like the next day I was like, oh, you know, the last level's going to look like this, and now I know <laughs> yeah. what the levels will look like. I was learning the mechanics as I was working on mm-hmm. the levels myself. So I didn't know what kind of puzzles I was going to be able to make until way later on. So I couldn't have made the last level until I made previous levels. Yeah. That said, I did... I did cut the game way short because I was making levels for a while, and like you said, I got sick of making the game. In a sense, like in to be specific, I got sick of making levels because I realized that what my real plan was it was ten times bigger game. Because what right now you have is you have like eleven little worlds um, that each have a eight to ten or eight to eleven levels in them, and. Um, it, when I first started the idea, they weren't called worlds. The world was the whole set of 11 sequences of levels. Like, it was 11 little levels, 11, little, 11 levels per sequence, and 11 sequences per world, and there were going to be 11 worlds in the same pattern. So it was going to be massive, ten times, like 11 times bigger. Mm-hmm. And each world was going to change how the it's player like was, like, levels. wrapping off the edge. Yeah, it would have been thousands of levels. It came out to, like, 1,200 or 400 levels. Right, and I was like, "Oh, this is totally great!" Because at the time, I was, I was like, I was blasting through levels all the time. Like, at one in one day, I got down a bunch of levels, um, but it didn't last because when I started making harder levels, they became harder to make, which was interesting. Because I, in a way, making a level is just as much of a puzzle as solving it, because you have to learn what works and what doesn't. And if I make an impossible level, that's no good. But I also don't want to make it obvious anymore. It's supposed to be a trickier thing, and I wanted to do something different than what it's done. I don't want it to be like I don't want. I didn't want the level, the puzzles, to be to the point where it's like, oh, I've solved this exact problem before. It's just that now they've made it impossible for me to see one element of it or something, so I have to guess at what's going on. Mm-hmm. I wanted each thing to be a matter of, oh, that's a new like combination of mechanics in some sense. So um, it took longer and longer to make levels, and then I gave up. But um, at some point, I, um, uh, you know, realized I'm not making the whole hundred, like thousand levels. I'm stopping at a hundred. So the game's 105 levels. And when I got to that point, I decided, okay, that's good enough. I don't know, like, if you wanted to say I could have shipped it sooner than that, sure, because at any point, I could have just said, okay, I just need to like turn one of like reorganize the order of levels just a little bit to put them, you know, such a way that there's the hardest one at the end. Um, so I think that would have always been possible, but I don't think it would have been anywhere near as good. Like, I wouldn't be satisfied with it until it got to at least the point it's at now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I think like push and approach it differently as a puzzle game. Yeah. But in most games, I like that philosophy that like you want to be able to like have a substantial like milestone to reach when you uh, you know when you're making the game. Like you don't want to just feel like you're editing character uh, content and just like making your guy your player really awesome and he's doing all these cool things and then you then you go okay let's make the world now and you kind of get it's like a daunting thing because you've set your player up to do so many things in the world and you actually haven't uh, made the world for him to do all those things so then I, that's where I find a lot of issues in making games and I've abandoned a lot of projects is like I make this awesome character with all these awesome features and me and Alan are like this is super cool and then we realize like the world around him is going to be really big and this game is going to be gigantic and we're going to be working on it for years so we just go now we're going to make a smaller game which is like still not the case because when we're making a, another game we, that game becomes bigger and bigger so push is like our final like stop to that like we were like you know what no we're done we're going to make this game uh, we got all the levels done which was nice they were done before i even started making graphics just about um 
and like that was that that was a big deal like ha having those levels done was the important part finishing the game but um but actually a project we did abandon back in the day will is going to be our next project um and that's this game called dig box so for anyone who's listening um or any of the uh what's name let's players that have linked to this you can find it on their uh in their descriptions of their videos for push they they uh give our game jolt link so on game jolt we're same name we're uh, overreact and we have dig box up there which is like this old game it's like years old and me and alan just started working together and uh, we're going to remake that game but the way we're going to remake it is we want to like live stream the entire development of the game so we're probably actually going to do like a funding to get like the correct uh equipment to really make uh this you know this work um mm -hmm. but we want to like show everybody those uh up and down periods of making a game and what makes it hard uh the nitty-gritty of game development the nitty gritty. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I like the watching the game making process idea. That's something I've actually never really heard of until you just brought it up, and I'm like, that's an interesting thing. It's like a let's play, except it's like a let's make kind of thing. Yeah. And it's really cool. It really helps the kind of yeah, people who are of... like not very confident in their own abilities to make a game because then they see this and they're like, all right, well. I can do this, and then like they they try to do that their own, and then they start making games of their their own, and it really expands the indie scene. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are a variety of people that stream developments um, on Twitch already. There there's a game development category now, um, but the way that you guys are saying it, it's like another step in evolution of the whole uh, game development process or not game development streaming process. There we go. Eh. That was a mouthful. Um, but yeah, so like, how often are you guys planning on doing this then? Like how long, you said? No, how often? the, uh, the... Oh, how often are we yeah. going to be streaming? Mm -hmm. uh, I, we, had, we had an idea of doing like a schedule. Uh, it's going to be us three here that are, that are on the radio um, that are going to be doing a stream. So I think it, I, I, it depends. Like right now I'm working a full-time job mm -hmm. and I'm hoping by the time we get this going, like I, we've made a good, uh, about a good bit of profit from push um, so that I can quit my full-time job and work on this full-time. And if that's the case, then I'm willing to do it like four times a week, um, maybe more yeah. uh, at some point. So the, the trick is like, um, you know, uh, this, so a few things, like there's a few projects out there that are similar to this in some ways, but what we want to do, first of all, is we're not going to actually, we say the whole thing, but what we mean is not every minute of development, but every, like, throughout the progress, or pro throughout the project, but we're going to have to spend a lot of time off camera working on stuff, too, because we're not going to, like, if we're going to work four hours a day on this, that's a lot of streaming, and there's, like, it's not all yeah. going to be great. So what we really want to showcase is the project, or the pro the process of like coming up with an idea, testing it, seeing what's right, seeing what's wrong, and how we like how we solidify an idea, and how like the bigger process, and also like Gabriel said, I really like the idea of showcasing like uh, us hitting a problem and realizing we have no solution for this. But as game designers, I think one thing we do a lot is, and I don't mean us, but I think all game designers have to do this if they're going to be any good, is they have to learn how to look at a problem that they have no idea what the solution to is and know how to handle those kind of situations. So even though Gabriel didn't think he was a composer for digital music when we picked him up, he just sat down and did it. And it turns out that if you just 
get to it and, and try to learn something, it's normally possible. Normally, something that some other person has done is possible for just about anyone to do, I think. Yeah. Um, so, hopefully, like, that really, like Gabriel said, entices people to get into game development that think that they're not, they're not really going to be able to do it. Um, but I wanted to also give a, uh, give a voice for game developers, because you have people that really down developers for taking forever to make a video game, especially indie developers get this issue. Um, and, you know, I want people to kind of understand uh, what's going on with it, you know, mm -hmm. and, like, what, what we have to do, the hard uh, parts of making games that people don't really get to see. Uh -huh. Yeah, for sure. There was something that I thought of earlier while I was talking to... Or, while I was talking... Well, while I was listening to um, Gabe talk about... Uh, the music and like showing his friends and they're like who made this um and that concept uh isn't really something that anybody really thinks about with games and all there's all these different avenues that people are taking to really showcase you know the whole concept of that hey, games are made and uh-oh really yeah um my skype's loading um... Oh, it says you're not on the air. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Alright, well, um... Ooh, that sucks. Yeah, I guess so. Um, well, it'll still be in the recorded version, so... It's all good. Yeah. Um... Ah. <laughs> oops, yeah, That's um... That's cool. Oh. I just got a message from my family member. What are you doing? <laughs> I, I can't connect. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, he's he's apparently playing uh, an online game. That would be why. Oh, um, that'll do it. That'll yeah, do it. <laughs> perfect. Uh, the joys of moving back in with your parents. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, either way, uh, we. I mean, I don't know when it cut off. It seems to have just cut off because I had my uh, my fiance just said, "Hey, what happened?" Um, and that was about at one fifty-two. So that was like only two minutes ago. So I'm not sure how long ago it cut off, but right. uh, either way, so, it's like yeah. the end of the show. Just a couple minutes. All right, well, um, we can probably wrap it up pretty quick. So, uh, looking forward, what is your... Um, well, first off, let me let me say this quote from a game developer whose name I cannot think of. Um, there's this game developer... I want to say it's Adam Saltzman, but it probably isn't. Um, they say, like, uh, if, you, if you have an idea of how long your game is going to take... Um, double that amount of time. And even yeah. if you factor in for that, double the amount of time. Um, it, it might have been um, uh, Andy Andy Moore, actually. Um, but so, some game developer out there. But yeah, so have, first off, have you guys factored that in? Did you double your time? For, um, for, for Digbox? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we actually... The game's going to be so um, complex compared to what's on Game Jolt that um, I don't even think we can come up with uh, a time frame at this point. But we know it's yeah, going to be... Yeah, we're not really talking time frames for... Yeah, oh, it's okay. going to be a long time, though. I can just say that because the we're making like a fluid system at the moment where it's uh, in development right now. And this fluid system is going to be so uh, complex and, like, and badass that like it's probably going to take... A substantial amount of time to really like um, figure that out. So mm -hmm. to put a time frame on the rest of the game seems like impossible right now. I but suppose, yeah. You guys it's are definitely our next game. Beginning. 
without a doubt. Um, I guess we'll uh, we'll be tweeting about it and and everything if uh, if anyone happens to be following us uh, at Team of React or me and Alan's personal accounts or Gabriel's personal account, um, then or your business account, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then uh, you know you'll be able to see when, when we say we're going to start the project, when we start doing a live stream, and at that point we should have we should have a, a time frame of how long it's going to yeah, take. Yeah, and also I Double. have a. Also, I have a SoundCloud, and I post some of the music I work on regularly. So, if anybody wanted to check that out, you could definitely. Yeah, do that. he actually just made a dig box, uh, like little test music for uh, for that game. Yeah, so. to kind of set the to kind of carve a path for what I'm going to do when the game's actually in development, and that's actually up right now on my SoundCloud. I can probably post a link somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're listening to the yeah, you know, uh, check out his SoundCloud because Gabriel is awesome and his music is great, mm-hmm. and he made the whole soundtrack free, which is awesome. So it's definitely worth a check out. All right. Um, so yeah, if you guys have anything else you want to plug, definitely do that right now. This is a great time. I'll also post all these links on the actual site, so people in the archive version can click on there and be like, "Whoa, there's a bunch of links. Let's click them all." Uh, but yeah, uh, oh, is there anything cool. else that you guys want to say before we head off? Um, other than that, I just want um, just everybody should uh, totally. Uh, support us uh, on March 5th by maybe thinking about buying the game. Um, I think we're... I'm not going to mention the price because we're still kind of throwing it up in the air, uh, what it is exactly going to be. Mm-hmm. But um, just uh, look out for March 5th when push releases and, um, yeah, and thanks show us a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all the Let's Players out there, you guys have been seriously spirit-lifting in your, you know, your videos and like we did not expect everybody to have such good feedback on like, I mean, as in good feedback, I mean like you guys really did do something um, that we didn't expect. Like you, you're, you're, you saw so many things in the game that we didn't expect you would see. Um, you saw more things in the game that we didn't even see. Um, and you just been a great help. Um, and we really, really uh, appreciate that. And we want to work with you guys in the future to in our other games and uh, also in push when it releases on the 5th. All right. And that's so, it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, it was a blast. And um, I hope that you guys do well on the 5th. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And uh, this has been Team Overreact. There we go. Woo! All right. Thank you for listening in to broadcast number 56 of Indie Radio. This broadcast is broadcasted live on 1000 mics and recorded using Adasio. Our next interview will be on March 14th, 2015 with Dominic Johan. Thank you again for listening, and have a fantastic weekend.